Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So whenever I lived at the ranch in Texas, over all of the windows, and I've never seen it like up here or anything, but we had hell screen on the windows. And it's, it's kind of like a screen, but it has, I mean, bigger squares than what's in an actual, like a screen door or something. But it's just a real heavy wire that, that goes over the window so that if it hails, it doesn't break your windows. And it was kind of before windows were better than they are today. Um, a lot of people used them out there. And this was a really old house. And so uh, it helped the, uh, with the hail. But bugs would get in between the hail screen and the window. And so when you had a light on, you know, you'd just be like, you know, moths all over the windows. Well, there was this big owl that lives somewhere out there. And ever so often, he wanted to come to the moth buffet. And I don't know what it is about owls, but they can't see that hail screen so they just come in like a B-1 bomber, and you, boom, they hit the window, just scare the tar out of you, right? Well, I, I'm one of those, I, I like to watch scary movies. And so one night I'm watching a scary, maybe, maybe some of y'all saw it, it was called The Grudge. And it had this girl on there, and her hair was over her face, and she looked all creepy, and she's like, uh, and it just, I hated that, it scared me. And I'm usually... You know, pretty tough cowboy when it comes to scary movies, but that one was just creepy. And so anyway, I'm watching this movie, and I've got the covers up like this, right? And then in the movie, the girl's got the covers, and that grudge comes from between the sheets. And so I throw the sheets down, right? Because I don't want that stuff happening to me. So I didn't know whether to have the sheet up or down. And I got, got so freaked out that I said out loud, if that owl hits the window right now, I will. Luckily, it didn't happen. Luckily, it didn't happen. But today, we're going to be talking about or looking at the most horrifying book in the Bible. Now, I'm not talking about scary like Iron Brimstone. I'm just talking about like a horror movie. And it, it, it could be a blockbuster movie. They made it in. I think it'd be the scariest movie of all time. Well, at least... Because it involves getting thrown into the ocean and being eaten. Okay? So what are we going to be talking about, Bible? Jonah. We're talking about Jonah. And you know, a lot of times whenever we... We know Jonah from like kids, you know, fairy... Not fairy tales, but you know, Jonah and the whale is, is you know, kind of basic Sunday school stuff that all these little kids are taught. And I don't know why. It's kind of like the Hansel and Gretel fairy tale where they're get eaten by the witch. I don't know why we're teaching our kids this. We should, this should be advanced. You should be like at least 23 to be able to Jonah because it's so horrifying. But at the same time, at the same time, a lot of times when we hear the story of Jonah, look at what Jonah did. Look at just what Jonah did and you make the, the center of the story, dark story. It's kind of a dark story because he doesn't do what he's supposed to. He gets bored in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, gets eaten by the Kraken and, you know, 
all of this stuff, and it's kind of a depressing story. But if you will look at it, where you make God the center, as he always should be, it becomes a message of hope. It becomes a message of mercy and grace and religion. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at four things to, that we can learn from the book of Jonah by, by centering God is not necessarily what Jonah did. Now, we will, we will talk about that, but we will come back every single time to God's grace and His mercy, and you will find four things today that you can take home with you that is such, such. The first one we're going to talk about is that God can even use our mind. Really, you know, let, let me give you a, a, a little cowboy summary of Jonah. It starts at the very, like in Jonah verse 1 nearly, Jonah is running away because God told him to go preach in Nineveh. And now Nineveh, little historical, why this is important, Nineveh is a huge city in, at that time, a country called Assyria. Assyria is Israel's worst enemy. And God wants Jonah to go preach in Nineveh so that, and Jonah hates Nineveh, good Jewish guy. He doesn't want them saved. He's like, God, smite them. You know, let's pull a Sodom and Gomorrah and Nineveh type thing. He doesn't want to go. So Nineveh is 500 miles northeast of Israel, and Jonah heads west on a boat in the Mediterranean Sea. So he gets out there, and he's asleep in the bottom of the boat. And I'm sure it's a big ship. And all of a sudden, a freak storm comes up, and I mean, it's, it's not natural at all. And so the sailors, they basically cast lots. It's kind of like rolling dice or something, or, you know, pick the shortest straw, right? Something like that. And God lets them do it so they can figure out who's to blame for this, and Jonah's to blame. So he tells them, he's like, Jonah says, look, it's my fault because I'm running from God, and if you'll just throw me overboard, everything will be fine. And they're like, well, we're not going to throw you overboard. We'll just row back to, you know, because the wind wasn't helping during this freak storm, and it's not happening. So they finally go up to him like, hey, buddy, we're real sorry about this, but, you know, we're going to make you walk the plank, right? And so they, they throw Jonah overboard, and immediately, immediately the storm calms, and all those sailors start praising God. And about that, Jonah gets cracking. I don't know if it's a whale, big fish, probably the cracking, but I don't know. And so he's in this cracking for three days and three nights, and then the cracking spits him up on the beach somewhere, and Jonah heads to Nineveh. And he gets there. The people listen to his message of repentance and turning towards the one and true God, and the city is saved. Jonah hates it learn from the story of Jonah, the very first, God can even use our mistakes. See, the sailors made a mistake. After they knew that Jonah was to, the sailors made a mistake thinking that they could row back to port. It was never going to be able to happen. Jonah thought that mistake thinking that he could run from God. How silly is that? Well, haven't we all tried to do that? But as a result of these two mistakes, I mean, you know, th think about this, okay? 
lets them cast lots to find out that Jonah was to blame for it. And then even when them, if you'll just throw me overboard, y'all will be fine. They try to subjugate God and start trying to row back. Now, if God's intention was for Jonah to end up in the water, couldn't he have just destroyed the ship? Jonah would have ended up in the But even though making mistakes, God is still using those. And Jonah is overboard, which I kind of think is funny because I, I really want to know, Jonah, if, if, if you're so sure about this, you know, take the high dive. But it says, no, they threw him off the ship. So maybe he didn't want to go. And so, anyway, God can use the mistakes make. Because, see, the New Testament says that God works for the good in all things for those that believe Jesus. God can even use our mistakes for His glory. Man, when they throw, when they throw Jonah over and the storm calms, all the same praising God and worshiping Him. See, We've all run from God. We've all run from God. Of exact, you know, what we, we, He wants us to do, but boy, that seems scary to change a lot of things. What will people say? We've all run. And I believe it's in Luke 11 or... Some, there's a chapter, and the whole chapter is, consists of three, par, three parables. Okay? The first parable is the parable of the lost sheep. Everybody kind of knows the famous from that. If you had a hundred sheep, one wandered off, wouldn't you leave the 99 to go find the one, right? We've all heard that. So there's the parable of something being lost and goes and finds it, right? And then the widow has 10 gold coins and she loses one. And, you know, she searches all her friends over to help her look. And when they find it, blah, 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 it's all great. Same thing, man. God is looking for us. He doesn't want us to be lost, all run from God. And the problem was with running from God is that one day He may let you go. One day He might let you go. And you might be saying, well, I'm right. Well, the third parable in that chapter is the son. And in that one, let's him go. We've got to be careful of running from God. God can use our mistakes. God can use our mistakes for His But God's success. I'll say that, I've titled this Success Guaranteed. I had a finger, uh, a hankering that when people, especially online, were watching, saw the title of a sermon called Success Guaranteed, that they would put them preach today. The Bible guarantees my success. I'm talking about God's success. Because God's success is guaranteed. And honestly, that is one of the greatest revelations that I've ever experienced is when one day, Holy Spirit realized that the one thing that will never, ever, ever, ever happen is God's never going to look down and go, oh crap, what did he do? Right? He's not going to say that. Look down and go, what was she thinking? At the same time, he knows it's going to happen. You know, God's not going to go, oh great, I've got to rewrite Revelation because, you know, Kevin 
Didn't supposed to do that day. No, that happened. Look, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. But you know what? Even then, I've made some terrible mistakes in the past that God's it was on my part by any means. God used Maybe you've run off from God. Maybe you know that he's asking you to, to enter into a better relationship with him, or fellowship with him, get to know him as our father. We want all of the benefits without any of the obligation. God, I don't want to, to uh, take up my cross daily and follow you. I don't want to lose my friends that are bad influences on me. I don't want to stand up for what is right. I just want to go along with the crowd. All of these different reasons. Yeah, we've all run off from God, and He offers us a way back. Speaking of that, the second thing that we can learn from the book of Jonah is that God is a God of second chances. Good news. That is such good news. I mean, like, I, I think gives this idea that God is up there with his fighting like Thor's hammer waiting on you to mess up so that he can smite you. That is so far from who God actually is. God is a God of... I mean, there's knew that they would throw Jonah over because God revealed it through the casting of lots and Jonah even told them, throw me overboard. They didn't. But they got a second chance. And God gave them. A second chance, and I guess even a third chance, if you really want to look at it. But the result of this was what? Them worshiping God. That is second and third and fourth and fifth, and maybe even so that he will be glorified. And I can't think of a, a better reason to worship God and be thankful for that second chance. That is what grace means giving you a second chance that you don't. And even though Jonah ran away and was, God still rescues him. It probably didn't bother cracking, but I mean, still, you're alive. But you know what? Speaking of that, I, and look, I think that second chances are often disguised as worldly problems. Now, what do I mean by that? Follow me right here. Let's say that God wants you to go this way. And you know He wants you to go that way, but you don't, you don't want to do this, you don't want to do that, so you go the other way. Well, because you're mad, you don't see the big sign that says, and you're going the wrong way, headed towards doom, and about that time, boom. Flat tire. And you're like, oh my gosh, great. And now I've got a flat tire. So flat tire. And you get back in and you start driving and you run out of gas. And you're like, oh my gosh. What in the world? They ain't any worse. So you gas can out and you fill it up with gas. And your rear blows up. And you're like, okay, what did I, you know, what did I do to deserve this? See, second chances are often disguised as worldly problems. God's not trying to make harder. He's trying to keep you from going off that bridge. We have to ask ourselves, okay, are the situations that I'm going a result 
of following God or running from God. And I think we can usually tell my life that we're a direct result of the consequences of me not doing what God told me to do. But you know what? Whenever I came up here 10 years ago, it was one of the worst times of my life. Count off how many, usually when I tell that story, about people are crazy of everything that I went through. But you know why I was able to go through that? Is because I knew what God wanted me to do. And I knew that those problems were trying to keep me away from God. They were not a result of me running from God. Now, you're liable to experience two different types of problems, but there's still both differences. One, you get blessed by, and one just stinks. God is a God of second chances. Is the direction you're headed right now mission or your earthly desires? Think about that. Next time you have a problem or a series of problems, is this a direct result of me following God or am I running away from Him? See, God's success is guaranteed and He will give you a second chance. To... And isn't that cool? I mean, you know, think about it. I mean, seriously. I know that this sounds so simple, but it's still the truth. Like, the God and devil are team. And God, my team's going to win. <laughs> and people are like, hmm. Any my What? We're guaranteed success. But only whenever we follow God, and it's His success that bleeds down to us, not our earth success. Success is, God's success is guaranteed. And he'll give you a second, right now, he'll give you a second chance to join in that success. The third thing, Jonah. God answers the prayers of those who call on him. Or God listens to of those who call on him. Because the whole second chapter, Jonah, I think, second or third, I don't remember. Two chapters, because there's only four. There's like a 50-50 chance. It's either second or third. But one of those chapters is Jonah's prayer to God. What do you think he's praying for? Kevin, for if he, I believe, number one. Uh, number, hopefully Bill dances out there with his fishing rod. Catch before I get digested. Uh, number three, a Dr. Pepper. I don't know. <laughs> but you know what? Here's the cool thing. You go back and read Jonah's prayer. Here's the little part about it. It's a prayer of thanksgiving, not a prayer of deliverance. Because I guarantee you, if Ty falls overboard in the middle of the ocean, deliverance. <laughs> Mine would be Jonah's. It's a prayer of thanksgiving. Even from the inside of Jonah is giving thanks to God for who he is. And God heard him. The second part of Jonah's prayer, I think that we can get a lot from. Because I, I know you're not supposed to bet, but what happened, Charlie? You got away? Here's the second thing about Jonah's prayer that I, that I love. 
And it's this. Jonah didn't bargain with God. Jonah didn't bargain with God. Because how many times have we done that? God will just, you know, ad-lib throat, you know, God just this. Then I, have we all done that? I mean, well, God's good upholding his promise. I think we're very good at upholding ours. Help me through this. I'm going to read my Bible every single day, which usually means till Wednesday. Right? It's what we got to give thanks to God. He was. Jonah didn't bargain with God. He just gave thanks for keeping him alive. Despite all of his mistakes, thanked him for giving him a second chance. You know, in our worst time, are our prayers ones of I think we've all been there. You know, even when Jesus was teaching us how to pray the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. The first part of that prayer is holy name. Even Jesus said, man, always start with thanks. Now, Jesus said you can ask for stuff because he says, give us this day our daily bread. Right? There's nothing wrong with asking that we're thankful. Even when we're in the belly of the kraken, be thankful for because, see, God's success is guaranteed, and he is willing to listen that is used for his purpose. His purpose. And the last thing. This might be the best news for most of us, some of us. And it's God still looks out for us and love when we act like babies. And that's Jonah gets puked up on, and he has to walk to. <laughs> Who's singing in their house? Okay, so strike a long trot in your Justin boots for Salt Lake City. That's 526 miles from here. Right? That, that's what Jonah... So he gives thanks to God. God spits him out, gives him a or third or fourth chance, however you want to look at it. And he gets there and does what God asks him to. Is the one true God in Nineveh. And the city hears him, and all of them start worshiping God. And you know what Jonah does? He throws out of town. Not only does he throw a hissy fit on and ask God, because he so was saved. I mean, Assyria is, is Israel's worst enemy. He doesn't want them. He wants them to be smiting him. He delivers them. Jonah's mad about that. He's sitting there and down and he's mad. Can you, I mean, think. Now, there might be a few of you. Most of us probably be mad after Jonah did. Okay? He gets out there. All of that stuff happens. He walks out of town. He's mad. He sits down on the ground and he's hot. I mean, this is desert. Makes a plant spring up right then with big leaves. Intense heat. My gosh. God still looks out for us even when we're acting like baby. And Jonah is acting like a big old baby right now. And yet God is still looking out for him. But still in there. 
Jonah is still sitting there. Y'all ever blur that wants to throw a fit all the time and throw themselves in the middle of the aisle at the grocery store and stuff like that? That's the way I see Jonah, right? Well, today, he's still sitting there being sulking, and God makes the plant die. So Jonah asked God to kill him too. And then God asked him, if he is angry because the... And Jonah says, yeah, off about that. Justifies anger, right? And God says this. Jonah chapter and verse 2. And God says, though quickly, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, and we're not even mentioning all the animals. Should pray for such a great city? In other words, what God is saying is, you're upset a plant dying. Would I, 120,000 of my kids would have died if I wouldn't have sent you there. Tell them about me. Man. See, God still, God still loves us. Even though some it's like two-year-olds. He doesn't withhold his love. Because of it. You want to know? End. I don't mean the end of his life. I'm saying that. What happens to him? I don't know. Never says. You were in that position. After everything God has done for you, what would you do?